Hello. Welcome to Whip Beyond Measure. My name's Katrina Mayer. And I'm Elle Kammerer. And today, we're talking more about Emma, specifically chapters 13 through 18. Yes. It's officially the last section of volume one of Emma, but apparently not all books break Emma up into different volumes. (laughs) Like mine. (laughs) Like Katrina's. I will say that one of the things that makes the ends of these volumes very distinct, and it was kind of similar with Pride and Prejudice, is that this kind of marks a transition to where we're going to get new storylines and new characters and new things coming in. Mm -hmm. So this last section closes off the storylines for this first part, which we can all imagine have to deal with like Mr. Elton and Harriet, Mr. John Knightley, Isabella, uh, the Westons, all of the people we've met. Whereas the next sections will open up to even more characters we haven't met yet or maybe have heard about. I don't know. Who knows? I haven't read it before. Me either. (laughs) So, but yeah, so we're at the end of the section and Katrina is going to tell us everything that happened in great, immense detail like she always does. So much detail. Everything. She might as well read it verbatim. I'm basically going to read it verbatim. Yeah. Just kidding. All right, here we go. So the Hartfield party is going to Randall's for dinner on Xmas Eve. That is everybody at Emma and Mr. Woodhouse's house. You know, Isabella, Mr. John Knightley. The, well, not the kids. Kids are staying at home. Boo. But they're all going to the Randall's. Remember, this is Mr. and Mrs. Weston's house. So they'll be going there. And in addition to that, Harriet has also been given an invitation. Mr. Elton has been given an invitation. And then also Mr. George Knightley has been given an invitation as well. So they are going to go and have Christmas Eve dinner together. But, oh no, Harriet gets sick. And she is too sick to go to this party. And Emma basically tries to bump Mr. Elton's invitation out. She's like, oh, Harriet's sick, Mr. Elton. I guess you'll just have to stay home and then you can check (laughs) up on her for me. And he's like, what? Oh, okay. And then Mr. John Knightley comes in and is like, hey, don't worry. If you're worried about the cold, you can ride in my carriage. And Mr. Elton is like, thank God, I get to still come. And Emma's like, what? This is, what? Okay, whatever. (laughs) Um, Also, Mr. John Knightley definitely seems a little bit more insightful than he appears, but we'll get into that later. Um, So as they're all going to Randall's on Christmas Eve, it starts snowing, and it's John Knightley who is, like, complaining about this, and then Mr. Woodhouse is like, nah, this is fine, which seems (laughs) weird. (laughs) Um, And then as they're, like, going in the carriage, before they pick up Mr. Elton, Mr. John Knightley is like, oh, my gosh, the snow, oh, my gosh, why am I bringing my family out in this? Oh, my gosh, this is terrible, blah, 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 blah. And they pick up Mr. Elton, and Mr. Elton gets in the carriage, and he's basically like, oh my gosh, isn't this great? This is a time of year where it's important to visit people. There's hardly any snow out here. So he's basically contradicting the entire speech that he had been giving, and it's hilarious. Um, They get to Randall's, and Mr. Elton is all up in Emma's business and is, like, all over her, and Emma is all of a sudden like, oh, maybe he does like me, which, duh. And also, Frank <laughs> Churchill is supposed to visit in January. This is announced. But it's uncertain because there's two reasons. One, these friends might be coming to the Churchill's house and that could delay his visit. And two, Mrs. Churchill seems to be a giant bitch and won't let him come. These are like whatever. This is what everybody is saying. So they really don't know. And then Emma, upon hearing 
first hearing that Mr. Frank Churchill will be coming is all of a sudden like, hmm, maybe this guy could be potentially a love interest for me, even though she knows absolutely zero about him. Um, and then the rest of the evening at Randall's passes super tediously. There's a big to-do about how everyone's going to get home, how maybe some people should stay here, maybe some people should go. And, like, there's this, like, argument about it. And in the end, they all end up leaving. So, I'm like, why were they having this conversation to begin with? <laughs> uh, whatever. But, whoops, Emma gets bumped out of the carriage with her father and her sister and has to ride alone with Mr. Elton. And it's super awkward because Mr. Elton professes his love for her. And Emma's like, what? No, you love my friend. He's like, what? No, I love you. She's like, no, 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 you love Harry. And he's like, no. She's like, you're drunk. He's like, I'm not drunk. (laughs) Like, I love you. She's like, no. And they get in an argument about it and they're both really mad. Yeah, very awkward. So Emma is super distraught over this. There's like some moment of growth as she considers her role in encouraging Harriet on Mr. Elton. She's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. It's like, "Mm, maybe. But she still doesn't concede (laughs) that she should not have broken up Harriet and Mr. Martin. She's like, no, I was still right there. It's like, no, no, you weren't. But whatever. Also, thank goodness for snow because it keeps them all separate and able to like... (laughs) think about everything more clearly for a bit longer. But then the weather does break. Mr. John Knightley, Isabella, the kids, they all head back. They leave. Mr. Elton sends a note. He's like, I'm going to Bath to stay with some friends. And Emma's like, phew, thank goodness. And then Emma goes and breaks the news about Mr. Elton not liking Harriet to Harriet. And, you know, she's sad, but she, you know, she takes it well for the most part. And... Then this whole section ends with Emma and Mr. George Knightley arguing about a man that neither of them have actually met. And that is Katrina's really super quick recap full of opinions. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Yeah, we have some things to discuss here. Obviously revolving around Emma and Mr. Elton and Mr. Knightley. Mr. George Knightley. George Knightley. So, yeah. So let's just hop on into the beginning where we have this invitation to the Westons and we find out that Harriet is sick. Now, if you remember correctly, Harriet has been spending a lot of time at Hartfield, which, you know, good for her. Sure, it's nicer. But when she starts to feel ill, she's like, no, I would really rather go back to Mrs. Goddard's house because she'll take care of me. So she does. And Emma's just like, okay, fine. And she goes to visit her to make sure she's well, make sure she's getting being seen by the doctor. As she's leaving Mrs. Goddard's house, she comes across Mr. Elton, who is going to go check in on Harriet. And Emma, of course, is like, oh, he was going to check in on her because he likes her. No, no, he wasn't. No, he was going no. to check <laughs> in on her so that he could go see Emma and talk to her. Yeah. Which is pretty much what he it like flat out says later on in these these chapters. Well, as the two are leaving Mrs. Goddard's house and they're discussing things, they come across Mr. John Knightley. So the three of them start walking and talking and chitting and chatting and blah, blah, blah. Eventually, Mr. Elton leaves and Mr. John Knightley, who is apparently the most insightful person in all of this these chapters so far, <laughs> which to my surprise, yeah. can't believe I'm saying this, Mine goes, BT dubs, Emma. <laughs> Mr. Elton likes you. And Emma's like, no, uh, that's stupid. (laughs) 
what are you talking about? And he's like, uh, yeah, no, he definitely likes you. And I think he even goes as far as saying like, yeah, you definitely make it seem like you like him too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Which, if we think back to how Emma has been talking and like acting around Mr. Elton, like, I want you guys to just think back to what we talked about before and how she talked about him and like was acting around him and everything. Cause that's very important to the conversation that Emma has with Mr. Elton later. So, like, we just kind of got to keep that in the back of our minds as we're kind of going through the rest of this because that's a huge kind of point of contention between. Elton and Emma. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. So that's essentially the first part. Yeah. <laughs> John Knightley is like, BT Dubs, he likes you. And Emma's like, Psh, no, he doesn't. I know. I, I wrote you. a note in that section. I'm like, even he gets it. Yeah. Which, so I, I don't like Mr. John Knightley. Just, I could say that with flat out, I don't like him. So I don't want to necessarily, like, I don't necessarily give him too much credit, but it does kind of seem as if he deserves a bit of credit because he has absolutely no problem saying that flat out to Emma, Mm -hmm. which is definitely not something that his brother has been able to do in so many words. He's kind of too busy talking about it behind Emma's back a little bit. Mm -hmm. So John Knightley point one, George Knightley zero. I guess. (laughs) Um, I also really quick want to mention like John Knightley's speech in the carriage about like how terrible it is to leave your own fireside to go out in the snow to like go see these people. And he's like complaining for like basically a quarter of a page. But also like, well, I'm like, come on, it's Christmas, dude. Like, come on. Like, it's fine. But also in the back of my head, I'm like, no, mood. Like, I totally agree with you. I don't want to leave my warm, comfortable house to go outside and hang out with people. Like, I'm right there with you. So I'm like, this is my new canceling speech. I'm just going to, like, text this entire paragraph (laughs) to people when I don't want to go out anymore. Well, especially because you actually have snow where you live. I have to, like, hope and pray that snow is happening here uh, uh, because I don't have that convenience. (laughs) I don't even have a cold convenience. But um, so just to set that up, because uh, in your really quick recap, you kind of didn't quite explain what was going on with the carriage situation. So there are too many people going to the Westons. And while the Woodhouses are fairly well to do, their carriage is likely small. Mm-hmm. It'll fit three people, but it's more comfortable if it's only two. Yeah. just That's just how it is. Uh, so Mr. Woodhouse, who wants to spend as much time as possible with his daughter Isabella, decides to go in the Woodhouse's carriage, carriage by themselves. It's just those two. The second carriage, I believe, was Mr. John Knightley's carriage. Mm-hmm. Or just a secondary carriage that they happen to have. They, I forget the detail. I think it's how they got there. I, we don't know if he yeah. owns it outright or if, like, he hired it for this trip specifically. But it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's bigger because, obviously, it's them and their five kids. Yep. So Emma and Mr. John Knightley decide to go in the second carriage. Now, I assume that Mr. George Knightley brought his own carriage to the yeah. Westons. Because he lives, like. I don't know like, if that was specific. Doesn't he live, like, closer yeah. that way and he, like, visits them I a lot? So. so, like, it makes yeah. sense that he would meet them there. Yeah. So it all, that would also make sense as to why the Woodhouses go by the Vicar's house and pick up Mr. Elton. Mm-hmm. And because, again, the first carriage would be too tight with three people. He rides with 
Mr. John Knightley and Emma on the way there, which there's nothing wrong with that because John Knightley is Emma's brother. Mm -hmm. So nothing inappropriate at all whatsoever. The two of them are not alone in a carriage. Yes. Later, however, and I want to just, we'll come back to this later (laughs) when they're leaving the house, Mr. John Knightley, and it says flat out right in there that out of force of habit, he just follows his wife into the carriage. Yeah. So he is in Mr. Woodhouse's carriage with Mr. Woodhouse and Isabella, which, again, is just slightly uncomfortable with three people. Right, right. <laughs> and that leaves Emma and Mr. Elton completely alone in a carriage. Yes. Which is just not good. Yeah. And it really <laughs> so isn't it less, good. No, it really isn't it good. It really so, isn't good. It was less that Emma was kind of pushed out of the carriage where her father was and more of just Mr. John Knightley just not realizing what was going on. Right. Which, I mean, again, this it kind of makes sense given this whole speech. This is why I brought it up. He's so upset about having to leave his own fireside in this winter and this snow and everything like that, that like going home, he's probably just like, let's get there as fast as humanly possible. So he doesn't even think about the fact that he's leaving his sister-in-law, his young sister-in-law in a carriage by herself with another man. Right. <laughs> However, he is a parson. He's a man of God. Like, even okay. at the back of their okay. heads, they could be like, it should, no hanky-panky should happen. I mean, it's not guaranteed, of course, but they're not yeah. even thinking about that. That's not even registering, like, to him at this moment Mm -hmm. he's just like i want to leave and even mr woodhouse is more concerned with the fact that there is now snow on the road yes because when they first arrived there wasn't Mm -hmm. and now there is so he's also like okay we have to make sure we walk really slow or we we what was that our carriages are going at like walking pace yeah like (laughs) make sure it's like at least two steps behind and like da 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 and then They drop, like, on the way back, they drop him off, and then Emma is in the carriage by herself heading back to the house. Mm -hmm. And he makes that point where it's like, oh, my God, you turned the corner. I'm so worried. Oh, my gosh, you were with some random carriage driver that I don't know. Oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh, I've been so worried about you this 15 minutes or however long it takes. Well, and it sounds like the the first carriage doesn't go past Mr. Elton's house. The Mm-mm. second one does. Mm-mm. So Emma's by herself for a while without the other carriage even in sight. Yeah. So, yeah. But they're very much focused on getting home. Yeah. Kind of like, <laughs> in this moment, Mr. John Knightley is sounding a little bit like Mr. Woodhouse. Yes. And the, this sucks. I don't want to go anywhere. I'd yes. rather be home at my own hearth with my own kids. Yep. Like, I would much rather be doing that. And I did note that. While it's very clear that Mr. Woodhouse and Mr. John Knightley do not see eye to eye at all, like, Mr. Woodhouse very clearly gets on John Knightley's nerves. There's, like, I wonder if Isabella sometimes sees how John Knightley is very much like her father. She has to. This is the moment. Yeah. But I also agree that it's totally a mood. Yeah. So much so. It's so funny. Screw this. It's too cold. I don't want to go anywhere. Especially because they were wearing fancy clothes, which mm-hmm. aren't as warm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. He d- and he does make that point. He makes that point mm-hmm. twice. One, when they're on their way there, and he's complaining about it the first time. And then again, when Isabella's like, I could just walk home. And he's like, no, no, you can't, Isabella. No. <laughs> you're, you're, co- you're cold when you're wearing lots of layers. You're going to be even colder in your fancy dress. Mm-hmm. Also, I just want to note out while we're here – after Emma gets back, like, they're back at Hartfield after spending the time, their time at Randall's, it says that Mr. John Knightley was, like, more agreeable 
and like generally nicer to be around probably because he was so excited to be home and just like or and I don't know this for certain because I, I, I didn't even register that maybe he's realizing that he kind of fucked up by leaving Emma alone I was thinking that and too. he's just like oh well if I'm just gonna be agreeable then maybe nobody will call out my shit yeah <laughs> yep but so they get to the Westons mm-hmm. after they pick up Mr. Elton and Mr. Elton's like, snow, winter, yay, it's Christmas Eve. I'm really happy because I get to sit here and look at Emma all night. Um, but they get to the Westons and everybody is agreeable. They have dinner. Okay. <laughs> Everything is nice. They have dinner. They start discussing Mr. Frank Churchill again, who we have heard so much about, but have yet to actually meet. We don't know anything about him as an actual person. We just know what people think of him. Mm -hmm. And boy, do some people have some thoughts about Frank Churchill in this section. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. So he's supposed to come and visit. Mrs. Weston believes that he is not coming to visit because like Katrina said, what was it that Mrs. Mrs. Churchill Churchill is a bitch? Yes. (laughs) At least that's what they say. Um, But there's the two reasons. One is that friends, the Braithwites, could be coming to visit the Churchills and that would delay him coming. But that's just kind of mentioned initially. After that, Emma goes and talks to Mrs. Weston and that's where she gets the idea that, oh, Mrs. Churchill might not let him come. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want him to come. So he might not be able to because of that. Now, what's interesting is that Mr. Weston doesn't seem to be affected as much by this. Like, he's disappointed in the idea that maybe his son won't come. But he's also very optimistic about the fact that if he doesn't come now, he'll come later. Mm -hmm. But Mrs. Weston doesn't seem to share that same optimism. Yeah. And Emma, so this is where Emma is a little interesting. I I hate to say that. She's not that interesting all the time, but right now she is Um, because she's never met Frank. She has only ever heard about him through the Westons and through various other people in town. And all of a sudden she's like, oh, well, I don't really feel like getting married, but I mean, I wouldn't be against marrying this Frank Churchill. And it's like, you don't know him. You don't know him. I know. (laughs) Like, where did, and it comes, honestly, it comes out of nowhere. Because it really does. She's sitting, Mr. Elton and her are sitting together before dinner, and she doesn't want to be talking to him because he is like taking up too much of her time. And she's mm-hmm. like, Why are you doing this? Why are you being so tedious? You're drinking a lot. You're like talking my ear off. And she catches a snippet about him coming. But she's still engaged in conversation with Mr. Elton that by the time he stops talking, she can't bring it up again because too much mm-hmm. time has passed. And then so she just lets her mind wander and she's like, I could marry this guy. And I'm like, what? what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the idea that um, it's possible that the Westons are already considering matching her with him, Mm -hmm. which in all honesty probably was actually happening because why not? Why wouldn't they connect these two people, especially because Mrs. Weston knows Emma so well? Yeah. She manages to pick up that detail, but not all of these other details that are extremely obvious to literally everybody but Emma Woodhouse. Right. Um. We Like in our first episode mrs weston is having that conversation with mr knightley about emma and harriet's relationship and then at the end she's like putting thoughts of marriage off of mr knightley because she has something else in mind and we talked about Mm -hmm. how that something else could be frank churchill 
And yeah, Emma's like, yeah, I get all of these subtle things that you're talking about, even though you're not talking directly to me and even though I have no idea who this is. Yet when Mr. Elton is looking me in the eye and basically saying, I love you, it's like, nope, you love Harriet. (laughs) But I totally can see why the Westons are trying to, or possibly going to set me up with Frank Churchill. It's just like, Emma, come on. Get your shit together, woman. Together. I love the part like when Mr. Elton goes and talks to Emma right when they get there before the dinner. She's like, oh, could he really? Could it be as my brother imagined? Can Mr. Elton really like me? And I'm just like, are you finally getting it? Is this finally happening? (laughs) No, no, she doesn't get it. She still is completely and totally shocked later. Like, she doesn't get it until he is literally sitting in a carriage next to her, holding her hand, professing his love to her. And she's still like, I know, but like, this is the first part where she's like, could he have been right? And then she's like, oh, no, Harriet. Like, she wavers for a second. And I'm like, this is it. And then she goes right back to Harriet. And I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. it's not it. Mm -hmm. She's starting to get there. Also, this is some of the first times in this book that we're starting to see other people see and really tell Emma, hey, this guy likes you, just so you know. And it's interesting because they're saying, hey, this guy likes you. Be careful of how you're acting around him. Yep. So, which is something that I want to get to. So let's let's see. Is there anything else within the Westons party we need to talk oh about? Oh my before god! We get to the carriage? No, because it was the most tedious evening. It really was. I didn't want to be there. <laughs> I didn't either. I would rather have been by my own hearth. Yes. Same. <laughs> so it starts snowing. Mr. John Knightley gets worried about snow. Mr. Knightley slightly gets worried about snow. Mr. Woodhouse is like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. But then when he walks outside, he's like, oh my gosh, there's snow. Three people get into the two-person carriage. They ride off. Emma and Mr. Elton are sitting there in the carriage. And Emma is kind of a little bit like, oh shit, this sucks. This is kind of awkward. It's almost as if she's like, So Harriet and Mr. Elton turns to her, grabs her hands, which is just not cool, dude. Like, no touchy. No. No touchy. No. No touch. No. No. And starts professing his love to her. Yeah. And Emma's just like, uh, what? She doesn't even know really what to say. And Mr. Elton is like, I'm going to take your silence to mean yes. (laughs) Which... No! It's, like, immediate. And he knows that they have quite a distance to go in this carriage. And it's, like, they're not even out of the gate yet of the of Randall's. Like, they can turn around and still see the house. Like, and he's just like, dude, you're I love you. It says, declaring sentiments which must be already well known, hoping, fearing, adoring, ready to die if she refused him. All of these big hyperbole like descriptors and things of how much he loves her and he's just professing this love and Emma's just like sitting there like fuck I didn't I didn't see this coming (laughs) and then after he makes this profession of love to her well first of all she tries to stop him in the middle of it and he just keeps on going because he's a man and that's what they do um it's like her first response after that is 
I am very much astonished, Mr. Elton. This, to me, you forget yourself. <laughs> you take me for my friend. Like, oh, no, no, no. You must think I'm Harriet all of a sudden because you're drunk. You're wasted. And he's like, yeah, you're totally drunk. You must think I'm Harriet. I'm not, but I'll tell her. And he's just like, Harriet? I don't give a fuck about Harriet. The only reason why I even like talk to Harriet or care about whether she lives or dies is because she's your friend. Yeah. Like, and he pretty much says he does that. that. He's like, like I don't, out. I don't care if she's alive or dead. Like, it's just mm-hmm. you. I never thought of Miss Smith in the whole of my existence. Never paid her any attention, but as your friend. Never cared whether she were dead or alive, but as your friend. Harsh. Harsh, right. dude. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. you're a man of God. Like, come on. Yeah, well, we'll see how much of a man of God he actually is. Oh, yes. But then Emma flat out is just like, dude, calm your tits. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> command yourself enough to say no more, no more and I will endeavor to forget it. Like, stop. Just stop. And we can forget this whole thing happened. It's very clearly a no, sir. No, we are alone in a carriage. Exactly. No means no. We are alone in a carriage. You're professing your love. Stop it right now. This is a no from me. I am not interested. No. I'm going to open up a school for Austin men who don't understand that no means no. Um, Open it for (laughs) all men because how many women have been in a scenario like this where they're like with a man anywhere in a car, in a restaurant, on the street. Mm-hmm. And they're being awkward and weird. And you're just like, please get away from me. Please don't follow me to my house. Please go away. Well, and it's not even that they're being awkward and weird. It's that they're being like, oh, hey, I like you. Or, oh, hey, you know, why don't you come home with me? And like hitting on these women. And women say no. And then men act exactly how Mr. Elton acts. Yeah. He gets angry. He gets frustrated. He starts telling Emma that she was leading him on. <laughs> This is why I get so angry at Mr. Elton because he just comes off as such a freaking douchebag. Yeah. Like, I love you. I love you. Oh, what do you mean you don't like me? Or, oh, what do you mean you You're thought I was bitch. interested You're in You're a bitch. You're stupid. Yeah. You're ugly. You're I'm better than you. I don't need to be with you. I'm like, a moment ago, you were professing your love to me. Like, what? Yeah. Well, now here's the thing. He doesn't say, I'm better than you to no, Emma. I he know. says, I'm I better know. than Harriet. Yeah. No, that's even worse. He says, yeah. I'm better than Harriet. Yeah. What do you mean you thought I was interested in her? She's too low for me. I am so much better than Harriet. Why would I date her? I'm sure she'll be fine for another man, but not for me. Because he keeps trying to get Emma. He keeps yeah. trying to express his love to Emma, and she has to keep saying no. Mm-hmm. And he gets so angry that when they finally, like... When he finally leaves and goes home, Emma is just like, okay, well, I guess I'll be nice because I still have to deal with you. And she's like, oh, have a good night. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. So Mr. Elton acts like a piece of trash, period. Which Mr. George Knightley did call. He did say that. He's like, he's going to think her beneath him. Right, right. So this is where I'm going to stop. And I'm going to say... He's not technically wrong and Emma was leading him on. And I hate to say that because 99.9% of the time, women are not leading men on. No matter what, like, clothes don't mean anything. What you say don't mean anything. Like, how you look doesn't mean anything. None of that is an invitation for a man to be angry at you for not wanting to date them. Mm -hmm. 
That being said, at the time, it was very inappropriate for Emma to act the way she was toward Mr. Elton because given the society and how everything was, that would indicate that she was interested in him because that's how women showed interest in men was by giving them this attention and speaking so kind of cordially to them and kind of, I'm not going to lie, like Emma was kind of flirty while she was trying to kind of point him in the direction of Harriet that wasn't as obvious to Mr. Elton. And he saw her attention on him as kind of her indicating that she is interested now he should have fucking stopped when she said no the first time but i don't necessarily blame him for thinking that emma had a little bit of a crush on him yeah i don't blame him for like professing his love to her that initial time i don't blame Mm -hmm. him for going for it because he didn't know i don't Mm -mm. you know he didn't know how she was going to react but once she started reacting the way she was reacting that is when it should have stopped. And there was oh, no yes. reason for him to get so angry with her. And there was no reason for him to diss Harriet like that. No reason at all. How rude. Yeah. Also, I don't care if she lives or dies. She's your friend. And I just cared about her in that sense. Yeah. Dick. But this is a moment for Emma where Emma has to kind of sit here and think, oh, shit. Did I lead him on? Is what I said wrong and how I acted wrong? Mm-hmm. Because he very clearly took this the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And by all means, the time of the times, yeah, Emma, you were wrong. Yeah. So. And sh- and that's kind of what she does, like, essentially the next day. Is she just thinks about everything that has happened. She goes through every instance, every time all three of them were together, trying to think where she could have gone wrong. And there's this part where she gets to it and she's like going back and forth. She's like, okay, this definitely was me helping him see that he loved Harriet. Oh, but then he talked about the wit and the soft eyes. But neither of us have soft eyes. So who could have seen through such thick headed nonsense? And it's like, uh, literally everyone else except you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and Harriet. And Harriet. And the, he, she talks about the picture again and, like, how he kept commenting on, like, her art and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like... Yeah. She does see, like, okay, him complimenting all of her art pieces was suspicious. Like, mm-hmm. she concedes to that. Like, going out of his way to get the picture framed. Yeah, okay, I can see how maybe you know she does kind of hit those points but then she always brings it back um and then after that she gets into the idea about like her and mr elton together and she like says before that she says mr elton was proving himself in many respects the very reverse of what she had met and believed him proud assuming conceited very full of his own claims and little concerned about the feelings of others. Which I'm like, that's a little a little bit like you. Not in like the bad ways, but like, that's a little bit like you, Emma. You know, I saw like a mirror there. Not in the same regards, but like Emma's a little proud. Emma's like mm-hmm. a little conceited. She's, mm-hmm. she's concerned more about like what she thinks as opposed to how others feel. You know, this Mm -hmm. is observed by Harriet liking Mr. Martin. She's like, no, no, no. You know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, that's the whole, kind of the whole problem and the whole thing that Mr. Knightley was kind of discussing is that she has raised Harriet up to kind of be on her same level in her mind. Mm-hmm. So she is very proud when it comes to Harriet as well. Yeah. So when Mr. Elton is like, Harriet is too low for me, one douche move on his part, but two, Emma is going to be extremely offended by that because she does hi- have Harriet up in a higher regard yeah. than most of the rest of society. Yeah. And here, here's the first taste of that. And imagine how much worse it's going to be with someone who doesn't know Emma or Harriet that well. Mm-hmm. Well, and so this is actually kind of the second taste of it because she did get a little bit of that That's from true. Mr. Knightley and she was protesting it. And I guess she just kind of thought because she has that kind of rapport with uh, Mr. Knightley that it was she didn't have to look at it in such a serious manner. Like he was yeah. just kind of being mean and giving her grief and everything like that. And now she's seeing it come from mr elton and it's kind of almost like a reality check like oh hey maybe this isn't what i thought it was Mm -hmm. but instead of really kind of embracing that and being like okay maybe i am holding harriet up to a higher standard than she should be held up to um she kind of just throws mr elton under the buses and is like what does he who does he think he is thinking he can marry me a wood house like my family has been here for ages we have like this ancient line and while yes technically hartfield is owned by donwell abbey which is the same uh estate that holds most of highbury and yeah we're not technically a landed estate because we don't work the land we're i'm still above him he's only been here two years my family's been here forever we're held in very high esteem we have more money he's just trying to climb the ladder which is true he is she is the (laughs) heiress of thirty thousand pounds which we all know that's a fuck ton and the only other person that we know of in Austin who has that kind of money is Georgiana Darcy. Yeah. So. <laughs> Lots of yeah. money. Yeah. Lots of money. This is essentially Mr. Collins trying to marry Georgiana. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with personality. That's just status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not not going to happen. Not going to happen at all. Mm-mm. Could you imagine Georgiana Darcy being a vicar's wife? mm no. Hell, hell no. 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 Not at all. No one would allow that. No. No. Especially not Lady Catherine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so it's just instead of taking a look at Harriet and being like, hey, yeah, no, she doesn't have family. She doesn't have connections. Emma's like, well, Mr. Elton doesn't either. And who does he think he is thinking he can marry me? So. But uh, I do want to go back to something we talked about in the last episode really quick, which is kind of a step away from this talk, is uh, we talked last time about how we weren't sure how this whole, like, inheritance situation was with Emma, Mm -hmm. because Emma is the lady of the house. Uh, She has all of the responsibilities that essentially her mother would have had. She runs the household. She's in charge of all of these things. And it's kind of like well what happens when her father dies like does she get thrown out does she have to marry we don't know um so i have the annotated version of emma and it talks about that a little bit in that it says that you know like most of the time places estates and things were entailed to or bequeathed to male relatives so then everything stayed in the family there is no indication at all whatsoever in emma that that's the case So as far as we know, when Mr. Woodhouse dies, 
the estate and the money will go to his daughters. Mm -hmm. So Emma can essentially stay living in Highbury and be the Lady Catherine of Highbury at Hartfield forever. Yep. So, and the only house that's above hers is Donwell Abbey, which is the knightly house. Yes. So in terms of like high ranking families in the area, it goes Knightley's, Woodhouse's, then people like the Westons and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It's good to mm-hmm. remember that. Yeah, because I know in Pride and Prejudice, like the Bennets were like the highest ranking family in their area until Bingley's moved in. Mm-hmm. So here, Emma does have another family above hers, which... They're all related, so it doesn't matter. Right. And that also makes sense as to why Isabella married John Knightley. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. But yeah, so back to Emma and Harriet. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of this section where she's like talking about how her and Mr. Elton like couldn't be together because she's so above him and he, what? We're here forever. He's only been here two years. Like he's unestablished, blah, 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 blah. She does say that... She was obliged in common honesty to stop and admit that her own behavior to him had been so complacent and obliging, so full of courtesy and attention as supposing her real motive unperceived might warrant a man of ordinary observation and delicacy like Mr. Elton in fancying himself a very decided favorite. And at there I was like, is this growth? Is this her like reaching out and like considering perhaps like what she did and how that affects others? And it even does, like, say if she had been so misinterpreted in his feelings, she had little right to wonder that he, with self-interest to blind him, should have mistaken hers. Mm-hmm. I think Emma does grow yeah. a little bit in I this section. Too. Because then yeah. she does say, right, I'm renouncing matchmaking. Look at what it's gotten me. This is a bad situation <laughs> because... If if only, like, I had done this secretly, right? If only I had, like, tried to do this secretly, secretly, then the fault of Elton, Mr. Elton saying he loved me, would just be between me and him. But now I have to go back and tell my good friend Harriet, who I love, that he doesn't like her. And I've been encouraging this. Look what I've done. Mm-hmm. Like, this mm-hmm. is not good. Yeah. <laughs> but then she does it again. She's like, oh, but, you know, Harriet could have been with this person. Oh, wait, no, stop. Nope. You can't do it. <laughs> like, it's a hard yeah, habit yeah. to break. She's learning. but Which is funny because it's a new habit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this isn't something she's been doing. This is like the whole beginning of this book is like, oh, well, I set up those two people. I'm just going to keep on matchmaking. I'm clearly good at it. <laughs> oh. Bless her. Oh, Emma. I but know. yeah, she grows. So Emma finally starts to see the error of her ways and grows a little bit, which is which is good. Mm-hmm. And I think when she does finally go and talks to Harriet and Harriet is very upset, it's interesting because Harriet sees and recognizes that she's not of this high status that Emma wants to believe that she's in. So she kind of says something along the lines of, well, the only person who really thinks that I'm this good is my friend Emma and that's okay. So she's kind of like, She's upset that Mr. Elton doesn't like her, but she totally understands. And she's kind of talking herself out of out of being really upset about it because it's like, OK, he doesn't like me. Why doesn't he like me? Well, it doesn't matter because Emma likes me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And Emma starts to see like she sees how 
Mr. or what Mr. Elton and Mr. Knightley were talking about with Harriet and how she isn't quite of the same status. But she really starts to emphasize, well, I mean, it doesn't really matter as much because Harriet has all of these qualities, Mm -hmm. which are good qualities. So it's kind of like Emma has this bit of growth where she starts to realize the mistakes that she's made and how she's put all this pressure on Harriet. But then she also kind of like backtracks a little bit and is like, no, I was right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like you still, you you know what? Mr. Elton doesn't deserve you, Harriet, but you still deserve someone good. Like you still deserve someone better than Mr. Elton. You still deserve somebody better than Mr. Martin. And Mr. Martin too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) So, but it's interesting because like Harriet is upset, but she's not as upset as you would think she would be if she were actually in love with Mr. Elton. Right. Yeah. It's more like, I think it's like the idea of Mr. Elton that she's upset at losing, not Mr. Elton Mm -hmm. himself. Mm -hmm. I agree. So Mr. Elton goes to Bath. Goes to Bath. Um, Good choice. Says he's going to visit friends. Yes, because Emma was really concerned about the fact that she wasn't going to be able to go to church. But now she can't go to church because Mr. Elton isn't there. So it works out. Yeah. Plus, who wants to go to church? Like nobody, I know, right? nobody wants to go to church. Even apparently Emma wanted to go to church. Yeah, <laughs> she didn't even want to go to church. Like even on Christmas Day, she's like, I can't possibly go to church after last night. Also, all the snow. Also, who wants to go to church? <laughs> <laughs> no one. So I believe that brings us to this last chapter. Yes. Which kind of comes out of nowhere, but it's also like this whole it's this whole thing in of itself. <laughs> so bizarre it's so bizarre i couldn't even like when i was writing my notes for my recap i got to this point and i'm like i'm just gonna write a sentence because i can't possibly (laughs) i can't possibly so i think this is the second time where we've kind of ended a section or there is just a big section where it's just emma and mr knightley having an argument (laughs) like this is all they do is argue with each other they debate and argue and then get angry and mr knightley then doesn't talk to her for a while and all the while like fueling the passion for the grand end where they finally get together see i'm not feeling it like i'm not feeling it either but i think that's what we're supposed to be feeling either that or it's meant to be like a ruse to like completely distract the reader to be like these two can never be together they fight all the time oh they're together or it's like there doesn't even feel like there's interest. Like if I didn't know these two characters are supposed to be together, I would have no idea. Like I don't feel any yearning or interest or anything like that. It sounds like an older brother scolding his younger sister. It really does. But I don't know. I mean, that's like a lot of tropes is like fight, 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 fight. Oh, we're in love. But I don't even feel like they're fighting in that same way. They're like they're bickering. not fighting like... Yeah, but it's not, like, the same kind of weird, like, tension that even, like, Lizzie and Darcy had where it's they like would kind of get in those fighting. weird arguments. This yeah. is, like, toxic fighting. It, it just, there's no passion at all whatsoever between them. There's no little, like, bits of, oh, well, what did he actually mean by that? What did she actually mean by that? This is literally just Mr. Knightley scolding Emma for being silly, for being a young, silly 21-year-old girl. But you know what? It kind of does make sense because these characters know each other. And not only do they know each other, their families know each other. These characters are really established in where they live and have been for years. And their ancestors have been, like, established there, right? So, like, it Mm -hmm. just, 
it's not new and exciting kind of fighting. It's like, this is the same fight we've been having for years. It's what it feels right. like. It's what it feels no, like. No, it does. And that's that's what I mean by like this. It feels like sibling bickering. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And I'm just like, Ugh. part of me doesn't even want to read it because I'm just like, ah, this is just that being in a way. But... <laughs> The other thing that kind of just is like so random about this whole end piece is that it's about a guy that neither one of them have met. They don't know him! No, they're arguing about Frank Churchill and they're both so passionate about their feelings about this guy they have never met. (laughs) I just cannot. It feels so high school. Right? It really does. It feels just saying something because so Mr. School. Knightley is 38 years old. Right? <laughs> but he's around young Emma all the time that he's still sucked in the drama. Right? I don't know. I feel like sometimes you hear that about teachers, like teachers who become teachers because they can't escape the drama. They love the drama. Right? And so like they create that same drama with the people they work with that nope. they had in school. Nope. Like that's kind of what it feels like with Mr. Knightley. He's like... I love, I live for the drama of young people. I'm just going to keep doing it. I don't know. Well, so maybe he just loves the drama because if you remember back to that conversation he had with Mrs. Weston, it was dramatic about Emma and Harriet. So Mm -hmm. maybe he's just a drama queen and just like lives on the drama. Well, also, okay. So no, this is actually starting to make sense. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. So because Donwell Abbey is the high house above most of Highbury in that it's like, you know, they own the land and like a lot of the town and stuff like that. Mr. Knightley being the one in charge is very much like a part of everything that goes on. He talks with like the people who live there. He talks with the merchants. He talks with the farmers, literally everybody. That's how he started talking with Mr. Martin. So he has his fingers and everything and he gets all of the drama. So he does live off of the gossip and the drama and it just fuels him. And then he just has to talk about it. And this is what he does, but he isn't doing it like, like a gossip girl. He's doing it with like a sense of authority because he's a man. And he's what he actually said something like, uh, about how he believes himself to be a manly man because he has a sense of, uh, what was it like he's like deliberate in his intentions decisiveness yeah yeah can i take that a point more ahead and be like yes maybe he gets off on the drama because he's not married he's 38 like what is he doing he's maybe he's trying to like be intentional and like wait for a wife and so like how else is he gonna get off he's gonna create drama I don't really want to know about what gets Mr. Knightley off. Because <laughs> I still don't like him yet. No, like, there's just, I don't either, but I'm just musing. Yeah. Like, it's not it's not that I don't like him. Right. It's that I just don't care. Right. It's not like <laughs> literally getting him off. Like, literally. It's just like, he needs something, right? He doesn't have, he doesn't, maybe he doesn't have sex. He doesn't have any way to release, like, stress or whatever. So he's going to release it by fighting and bickering and creating drama. This is his substitution for sex. Drama is his substitution for sex. I don't want to know what gets Mr. George Knightley off. Not literally. (laughs) It's a substitution. (laughs) Because he doesn't have X, he does Y. I don't want to know what George Knightley uses as a substitute for sex. (laughs) I do. I'm curious. (laughs) 
Anyway, we should probably like talk about the actual argument that they have. Yeah, for people who have no should. idea. What's <laughs> so. I was a little worried looking at our time. Oh, this is going to be a really short episode. And then we, Katrina starts going off about what gets Mr. Knightley off. Uh, we're anyway, going to check so in throughout the rest of the book and see. <laughs> Sorry. Has Mr. Knightley gotten off yet? Nope. nope. Moving on. <laughs> so Frank Churchill is rumored to be coming or not coming. Turns out he is not going to show up because his Aunt's adoptive mother is a bitch. A bitch. Yeah. Aunt slash adopted mom. That's what we assume. Yeah. We actually don't know because this is hearsay that they're both going off of. So Mr. Knightley and Emma are sitting around talking. I don't know what got them in this situation again, but they seem to always be sitting in a room talking together. And uh, Mr. Knightley's like, Frank Churchill is a weakling little sissy man for not putting his foot down and demanding to come see his father. And Emma's like, well, you don't know the circumstances because you're not in his shoes. Maybe he doesn't want to piss off his parents, his adopted parents. They have money. They've been like, taking no. care of him all his life. Like, these are reasonable things. Yeah, because here's the thing. So Frank Churchill's adopted by his aunt and uncle. That means that he is not legally the person to inherit their money. He is in their will because they do not have children. However, if he pisses them off, he could be taken out of the will yep. and would have nothing. Yep. So whereas Mr. Knightley was always going to inherit his family's money. And Emma pretty much flat out says, hey, Mr. Knightley, George, if I may, you can stand here and say that you would stand up to your aunt and say, oh, hey, no, I need to go visit my father. I don't care what you say. I'm leaving tomorrow. Because you live in a secure world where you had the money, but Mm -hmm. Frank doesn't have that security. So you can't stand here and tell him what to do because you don't understand his circumstances, which is really insightful information. Like Emma is very much right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Mr. Knightley is like, nope, you're wrong because men can do whatever men want, basically, Mm -hmm. is what he says. It doesn't matter. He's a man. And because he's a man, he can do what he wants. If he were a girl, yes, I concede to you. But he is a man. And he is now less manly of a man because he isn't doing what he supposedly wants. Now, here is one of the arguments that Mr. Knightley makes that I do kind of agree with, which is Mr. Knightley says if he if Frank Churchill wanted to come visit his father, he would make it happen. But it seems like he doesn't actually want to come. Yep. Which... I'm not going to lie, makes sense, especially when Mr. Knightley says, oh, well, we've seen Frank at this, what is it, like a... Oh, is it Waverly? A club? club? Yeah. Oh, wait, Weymouth. Yeah, we've seen him at Weymouth. It's a club. He's been there. He goes for pleasure. Mm -hmm. But he can't come see his father? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, like, Mr. Knightley does make that point, but Emma is still like, no, dude, you don't understand. You don't know his circumstances, which is also a good point. Um, So they both make good points. But also, I don't understand why they're arguing because they don't know this person and they don't really have anything, like, invested in this visit. Yeah. (laughs) Though, and I know we just talked about how we don't feel any tension and passion from Mr. Knightley. There is a little bit here Mm -hmm. toward the end of this argument. Mm -hmm. 
because Emma flat out admits that she doesn't know why she's defending Frank Churchill this much. Perhaps it's because she's friends with Mrs. Weston and he's, you know, related and, you know, she wants to think the best of him. But she is like passionately defending Frank Churchill, this man that neither of them have ever met. And it very clearly gets on Mr. Knightley's nerves that Emma is passionately defending this man. Yeah. To the point where it's like, are we starting to see that like Emma thinking and talking and like like defending other men are try are starting to make him a little jealous? It's barely there. Yeah. Like you have to use a micro like a like a microscope to see it. But it's there. Yeah. Oh, and then it ends with with Mr. Knightley getting angry and Emma being angry and they kind of are angry at each other. Yeah. They're basically an old married couple <laughs> fighting. Mm-hmm. They're siblings. It's such sibling rivalry. It really is. They're siblings. Especially because But here's the thing, they also refuse to see the like the point of view from the other person, which is very much like what you do in a sibling fight. You're just like, no, I'm right, you're wrong because I'm the older one or Yeah. You know, I'm the more stubborn one or something like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much you used to fight with your sister, but that was me and AJ all the time. Like, because my brother's, my brother is only uh, two and a half years younger than me, whereas Katrina has a significantly younger sister. So uh, my brother and I used to fight all the time because we're so close in age. <laughs> yeah, I'm just struck by the point where Emma's like, like, they're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And she's like, all right, you know what? We're both prejudiced, right? You against and I'm for him, right? We're both prejudiced in mm-hmm. our ideas over him. And he's like, I'm not prejudiced. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i can see that sibling thing like like okay like she's like okay let's come on let's compromise like all right and he's like no i'm not gonna compromise meh <laughs> crosses his hand stops <laughs> his finger his foot i'm not prejudiced you are <laughs> it is interesting though that emma can see her prejudice in this and she recognizes that she's making this argument for no real reason at all whatsoever yeah <laughs> Whereas he's just like, I feel like his responses are because she is going against him. That is the mm-hmm. only reason why he continues on with this argument, because she is contradicting him. And so he has to, like, stick up for himself, I guess. I don't know. Well, so I can also see why maybe Mr. Knightley is just kind of getting frustrated with this whole Frank Churchill thing anyway. Because, again, like I said, he's got his hands in, like, everything in Highbury because he's the main dude. But all of Highbury is talking about Frank Churchill and him coming and what that means. And Emma even talks about that. It's like, what a celebration, what a good, like crazy, awesome thing this will be when he finally shows up because everybody's been looking forward to meeting this person. And Mr. Knightley's just like over it. Cause yeah. it's like, he's supposed to have been coming since September and he hasn't shown up yet. And everybody is like, Oh, he still really wants to come, but he just can't. And Mr. Knightley's like, no, if he wanted to come, he'd show up by now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, like, I can totally see it just, like, digging on him. He's just, like, over this guy he's never met before. He's very much a man who is just over this. And then he's Mm -hmm. like, fuck it. If he comes, he comes. I don't care. Yeah. Let's. Can we stop talking about this dude, please? Yeah. So. Yay. Well, interesting section. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and so so we will be moving on to volume two 
Which, again, like, sets up new storylines and introduces, hopefully, introduces us to new characters. Maybe we'll finally get to meet this mysterious Frank Churchill. But it's funny because when you think about Emma and you don't, you haven't read it, you don't know much about it. One of the main things that you know about it is that she's a matchmaker. She tries to match her friend up with somebody else. And it turns out that the friend or the guy she's trying to hook the friend up with falls in love with her. Okay, cool. We got that story point done. What else happens in this book? I have no idea. Because we, <laughs> we still have pages, two volumes. Or at least I am. I'm a hundred, literally a hundred pages in. And there's still yeah. so much to go. It's not, it's like a quarter of the book, essentially. Yeah. There are three volumes. So we have three different sections where we have storylines. So like the, the first storyline was Harriet and Elton. The second storyline is going to be something else. And then we have a whole nother storyline. Because the only thing I can see happening in volume two is that we finally get the Frank Churchill. Mm -hmm. And so like Frank Churchill's story will essentially, hopefully, I don't know, kind of end by the beginning of volume three. And then we get something else. But I don't know what that would be. Emma and Knightley, we figure out how those two finally get together. Uh, Hopefully. Um, I just assumed that that would be threaded throughout the whole thing. So far, I'm not really seeing so much of it. But, you know, this isn't Pride and Prejudice. So, Well, Clueless, they don't really start to like like each other and get along till the end of Clueless after the thing with, um, what's Brittany Murphy's character? Harriet. No, but what's her name in Clueless? I think it's Harriet. No, it's like, it's Ty. Ty. Yeah, Ty. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Ty starts to like share chai starts to like paul rudd at the end and then they have their falling out at the end oh so we're gonna get harriet falling in love with mr knightley okay i, I need to watch clueless again but i don't we? know because mr knightley is like way higher than mr elton and if harriet ooh, is like ooh, i can't ooh, be with mr elton she's ooh, definitely ooh, not gonna ooh, be with knightley ooh, 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 ooh. no it's gonna be that mr knightley finally starts to like take sympathy on harriet and emma's gonna see it as them liking each other but it's really not because mr knightley's gonna hook her up with mr martin do you think harriet might misinterpret mr knightley taking pity upon her as love and like no 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 i i think i i I, and again haven't read this no idea just going based off of clueless uh, I think that Mr. Knightley is going to start talking with Harriet and get her to marry Mr. Martin or to start thinking about Mr. Martin again. Because remember, Mr. Martin is what's his face with the yeah, obsession yeah, yeah, yeah. with Marvin the Martian, the yeah, guy yeah. who started the skateboard guy. Yeah, skateboard guy. I actually know the actor's name, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Anyway, so Mr. Knightley is going to try to hook Harriet up with Mr. Martin, but they're going to be spending time together. Harriet and Mr. Knightley and Emma's going to think that that's a thing that Emma or that Harriet and Mr. Knightley are going to be a thing, but they're not. And she's going to get jealous. And she is. Yeah. But I don't know if that's volume two or volume three. Or if it even <laughs> happens, but we will. Find yeah, we have no idea. But the main question is, as we move into volumes two and volumes three, who the fuck is Jane Fairfax? I don't know. <laughs> She's not, she's like a ghost. She's she's just like any she's like the red herring of this book. We're like Jane Fairfax, Jane Fairfax, and then the book ends with like where what? who the fuck was that? Who was that? Is, is a person what? that was only ever mentioned, did, but we don't how actually did Emma meet her. And Knightley get married. I don't know. I was so distracted by finding out who Jane Fairfax is that I missed that plot. It's Jane Austen. She didn't have a plot for them to 
to get married. So she just threw in Jane Fairfax as a distraction for us. She's like, ta-da, they're married. The end. It's like, <laughs> so we'll see who was right. Uh, <laughs> moving on into the next sections. So, yeah, but that's all we have for these these chapters. So we're looking forward to moving on to the next set of chapters, which, so if you remember from last week, we threw it out there that we have no idea what the story plots are, so we have no idea how to break down these chapters. Luckily for us, somebody took pity on us. <laughs> um, the Well, Here We Are podcast sent us our chapter breakdown, so I'm just going to give them a shout out to all of you guys out there listening. The Well, Here We Are podcast is a weekly podcast that explores pop culture, the humanities, and how they matter in daily life via a list of three-ish things. You should check them out. Their Twitter and Instagram handles are at wellherepod. And I assume you can listen to them wherever you listen to podcasts. I know they're definitely on Spotify and Apple, um, also on Buzzsprout. So go ahead, check them out because they helped us so much with breaking this down going forward. Thank you. I'm... I'm just going to keep plugging them. So go ahead, take a listen, give them a shout out. But and and thank you so very, very much for helping us out. And yeah, we are looking forward to seeing what happens next. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>